Our passage today is once again um, Acts chapters 1 and 2, reading from Acts 1, 6 to 1, and Acts uh, 2, 1 through 4. It's good to be here with you again today. Let's stand for the reading of God's Word and for the hearing of God's Word. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Here ends the reading of God's Word. Please be seated. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again that um, we can worship you in so many ways. And one is to hear your Word uh, and to meditate on your Word. Uh, We pray that the uh, words of of your word, the words of my mouth, and the meditations of all of our hearts here together would be acceptable in and through the work and words of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. In his name we pray. Amen. So this is um, the fourth uh, fourth time we've looked at this passage, and I, I hope you don't feel uh, like the congregation of the, the, old, the old joke about the small Midwest congregation, the... Uh, pastor came and preached a sermon one Sunday and came back and preached exactly the same sermon the next Sunday. And people were kind of baffled. They just said, well, he's getting old. He's just kind of losing it. Third week, he came and preached exactly the same sermon again. And of course, people are now a little bit concerned. So they, they got together and they said, what do we do? And so one parishioner said, oh, I'll go talk to him. Some nice little lady. She said, uh, she went, said, pastor, do you realize you've preached the same sermon three times? He says, yes, I'm going to keep preaching it until you folks get it right. I'm hoping you guys don't feel that this is what's happening here. It's just this passage has so much in it. And I'm trying to approach it from a different perspective. Sorry, let me start something here. It's called a timer. That's the other old joke, right? And the, some little boy asked the preacher, he said, you keep looking at your watch during the sermon. What does that mean? And his dad said, absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, preacher telling preacher's jokes, like golfers telling golfers jokes, right? Um, so anyway, the, the, I'm, I'm taking, trying to take it in a different perspective to show what really is going on when Jesus says, the, the, talks about the Holy Spirit coming upon you and you will be witnesses. 
too often we really don't understand the historical background, what I mean, the historical, the biblical background of what Jesus is talking about. This is not something new that he's ref- to which he's referring. It's just something, a new experience for the apostles, the disciples that will be with them. And we, every week we've gone back into the Old Testament to try to get a better understanding of that. But we took it in the, three, the first three weeks, we, we talked about it in terms of the Trinity, the parts of the Trinity, the, and we showed that it's the 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 the, the coming together the I'm sorry the wit- the witnessing of Jesus and the sending the Holy Spirit is all part of the Father's plan. It's it's His plan that the Son has made His purpose to fulfill, and the Holy Spirit, His purpose is to assist the Son in fulfilling the will of the Father, and the will of the Father is expressed. In Isaiah 49.6, answering, Jesus uses this passage to answer the, the, the mistaken question of the disciples when they said, is now the time you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They had what turns out to be a very, very small view of what God's plan is. Unfortunately, much of the church still has that same view. And so it's always timely to look at passages like this to understand what the will of the Father is, what the plan of the Father is, what the purpose of the Son is, and therefore what the purpose of the Spirit is. And Isaiah 49 says this, The Lord says, and we know that this is the Father from what Christ has told us, The Lord says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, speaking to the Son, the Messiah, it's too small a thing. It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob, and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is quoting that passage when he says, "To the uttermost ends of the earth, or to the ends of the earth." That is a direct quote from the Greek translation of the Old Testament, which would have been the Bible. At use in use by the apostles and by even Christ when he read from the scriptures. Um, so, with that understanding, we've we've looked at the Father's plan, the Son's purpose, and the Spirit's power. Today, we want to kind of bring all those together and show that the dwelling indwelling of the Holy Spirit coming on Pentecost, in in response to the Son's promise. By the way, when you, we read that first passage um, in um, Acts 1, we didn't even read the, the very beginning where Jesus talks about the kingdom of the Father. But all through there, it's remarkable how much he talks about the Trinity himself. You know, the, again, the Father's plan, the Father's kingdom, uh, the Holy Spirit. Uh, so when the Holy Spirit does come, uh, we need to see that the Spirit's presence presence among us isn't just about giving us power. Again, another problem that the church has kind of always had, especially, I think, in the in the 20th and 21st century, we focus on the power of the Spirit. But the power of the Spirit cannot be divorced from two other things, the presence of the Spirit and the person of the Spirit. If we forget that there, there's all three things, power of the Spirit, presence of the Spirit, and the person of the Spirit, we'll focus just on one or the other. And often we, we focus either on the power uh, or the person. We, we seem to think that we um, need to have, the, that, that we're special if we have the power of the Spirit, not recognizing that it's been given to all of us, the whole, whole church. 
and that the person of the Spirit is also given to every believer. No one is more special than anyone else. And to understand that the... I just started my timer. It was 25 minutes. It's not, it's not 25 minutes, right? Okay. All right. I said for two minutes. All right. Sorry. Try it again. Um, so, the, the, we understand the two things from, from this passage of the, the Spirit coming upon the church. The Spirit's presence makes the church the dwelling place of the Trinity. And the other one we'll touch on a little bit today. I've been asked again asked this morning to preach next week, so I'll roll most of this over to next week. The Spirit's presence enables believers to be messengers of Christ in service to the Father. Now, I've, we've talked about the Father's plan, the Son's purpose, the Spirit's power, the Spirit being power, person, and presence. Sorry about all the, the P's in there. Um, it's not my fault the English language made it too easy for preachers to alliterate. Um, John MacArthur, so, yeah. What's that? John MacArthur would be proud of you. Yeah, MacArthur. So I've made up for it by making the titles of the outline really extremely long and, and, and almost unintelligible. So this presence, Spirit's presence make the church the dwelling place of the Trinity. And we begin, as we did kind of last time, we're looking at an a, a Old Testament passage in Exodus 19 where we see the Spirit coming down upon the people of Israel. This is the context by which Jesus is... is uh, the context in which the disciples understand what Jesus is saying. I'm kind of going a little bit ahead of myself. I want you to understand that when we read this, we're to understand what the disciples understood, that the the dwelling place of God, the, the great cloud that came down, it's called the Shekinah glory, the glory cloud, the glory presence of God, is referred to in the Old Testament as the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God, it, it, um, noticed in that quote by J.I. Packer at the beginning, and uh, that I put in there, that Packer understands, as we all do, that the, the, the meaning of the Trinity was kind of veiled in the Old Testament. The Spirit really wasn't understood as a person. The Spirit was understood as the power and presence of God. Um, it's in Christ that we understand that it's a person. In fact, it was kind of an amazing thing to the disciples, and, and the way Jesus presented it, it's an amazing thing to me to read it, but he says in John that he will send another person, a comforter, um, a counselor. He will send another one. And to them, they're probably going, wow, who is that? But it's not someone that was unknown in the Old Testament, just someone that was not clear to them. But that makes sense, because in Christ, all things are made clear. He is the one that reveals the Father, the work of the Father, and the Spirit to us. There's so many things that were kind of hidden in the Old Testament that have come to light in Christ. Now, when we read back in the Old Testament, we understand these things. And that's what Jesus talks about, the scribe of the kingdom, which would be, a, in our day, someone who, who opens up the scriptures, a Bible, a Bible teacher, a pastor, a preacher. Um, and actually, any time that you're leading a Bible study or, or, or worship, um, anybody that, that writes commentaries and all, he said the scribes of the kingdom are, are, are like um, um, a, a person who goes into his or king or uh, a person who goes into his treasure room and brings out treasures old and new. We have to have both. We have to have the the old from the Old Testament and in light of the New Testament, in light of Christ. 
So we, we, we go back to the Old Testament and, and understand it in a way that, that they never did understand. And the book of Hebrews tells us that. They didn't understand the things that were going on. They, they, they didn't have it clearly. Hebrews uh, 11, they didn't have this clearly uh, until um, we came, until Christ came. Uh, it talks about the angels longing to look at this plan of God. They knew what was going on. They could see what was going on, but they didn't understand it. And even now, they, they, they look and long to see what God is doing in his people. And this amazing thing that the disciples are going to discover is that the very presence of God is now going to be in their midst. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Exodus 19, the, the, the Lord, which we understand now to be the, the well, it's the, the, the probably, it's, it's most likely uh, the second, the, the Son, the second person of the Trinity speaking, because he's always been the one who reveals the Father. But he's known as the angel of the Lord. There's times where it, it, we're not sure if it's the Father speaking or the Son speaking. Um, it seems to be that, that Moses is hearing um, from the Lord, uh, the Father himself. Um, regardless, it says, he says this to Moses, For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all people. So the Lord's going to come down, this great fiend. He's going to uh, descend from heaven. And what the people see, in, 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 and then it's related again, in, to, we kind of reiterated in Exodus 20, verse 18. It says, Now when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood afar off. This, this Shekinah glory, this great cloud just enveloped the mountain. And there was earthquakes and lightning. And, and, just, and as we have a, glimpses of this later on, um, we find out that it, there's so much going on there that there's even it's even the angels of God that are zipping in and out of the, this cloud. That the lightning was more than likely that the angels of God. We'll get into that in the next section here. But Jesus said, "You would see power, and the Holy Spirit had come upon you." The power is not apart from the very presence of God. The people of Israel were given power, in a sense, to to dwell with God. Or have God dwell in their midst. The, the, God didn't stay there. He localized His presence in this cloud. It was the, the pillar of cloud by day that led them in the wilderness. The, the pillar of fire by night that protected them from the from the, the enemies around them. That scared off the enemies. Um, that cloud would put go and put itself between the um, the, the uh, Israelites and, for, for example, their enemies like the um, the, the uh, uh, Egyptians when they were coming out. Uh, it gave them rest, according to Isaiah. It gave them rest during the day when they would, would stop and, and shelter or, or stop in the wilderness for, for days, months on end. This, that cloud would, would spread out over them and give them shade so they weren't burned up. But it was the dwelling place of God in their midst. But only one person could truly approach him, and that was Moses. And, and that cloud, if you remember, would come into the tent of meeting, and Moses would meet with him. And Moses would, would, would come back out of there and just scare the people. They're afraid of him because his face shone with the glory of God, as he had been, been see, has seen God face to face. But it was always a, a personal one-to-one, and as, as Sam pointed out in the prayers of the people, that as, the, as this localization of, of God's presence turned, went into the tabernacle uh, and then from the tent of meeting into the tabernacle 
uh, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where the Ten Commandments were, and then into the more permanent temple in Jerusalem, where the glory of God filled the temple and smoke filled the temple and just drove everyone out. They couldn't stand to be in there. That was the glory of God filling the temple, the same cloud, the same presence of God. And the people were allowed to worship only through the mediator. In this case, it's the high priest, who was in the line of Moses. Moses was prophet, but he was also the priest. Um, Aaron became the, the, the ultimate high priest, and the people were, were priests after the, uh, the line of Aaron. But now the Holy Spirit has come in us, and we're, the presence is within all of us, together and individually. Um, so this is something, it's not just particular to you or to me, and I, I keep hearing it uh, all too often, uh, people talking about the power of the Spirit. That you have to have the power of the Spirit, like something you don't have that I do. It, it, two things come to mind. One is, um, how is it, it kind of makes God, in our minds, out to be like Linda Belcher. You know what Linda Belcher is? Some of you know. She's the mom in... in um, uh, Bob's Burgers. You guys ever watch that? No. Oh, no, you've got to watch that. But she had a statement. So one of her daughters, uh, was, or she has two daughters and a son, and, and I can remember which one it was. Actually, one of the kids did something um, that was special musical and all, and she was just heaping praises upon them. And, and, and she said, I just love my child. And, and somebody confronted her that, don't you love all your children? She goes, oh, yes, I'm sorry. I love all my children, even the non-special ones. <laughs> that's the way we kind of see God, right? Yes, he loves all of us, but he loves me in a way that, that he maybe loves, doesn't love everybody else. He talks to me in ways he doesn't talk to you or other people. I'm special. Well, no. No. God is special. We're special because we're the people of God, not the individuals of God. Paul says um, in Ephesians 2.22, in him you are also being built together into a dwelling of God, a dwelling place of God, sorry, dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Again, the Trinity. In him, in Christ, you are also being built together into a dwelling place of, for God by the Spirit. Not just the Jews, but the Gentiles and the Jews together. We're not selling a power. We're not I, inviting people into a power, we're inviting people into a presence. The next section, the recon, to be reconciled with God. 